the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. This is A State of Control, episode 13, recorded Monday, September 29th, 2014. Let there be light. This is A State of Control, the monthly broadcast brought to you by the fine folks at AV Nation, looking at... Well, the state of control and automation. With us, uh, as always, Mr. Steve Greenblatt, the chief muckety-muck over at Control Concepts. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good to be back. We're uh, on episode 13, which means that we're past the year. Long time no see, by the way, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if my wife is more worried or your fiancé, one of the two. (laughs) We're getting into a good routine. Exactly. So where are we headed next week? I'm headed to, to back to Little Rock, so you can come with me if you want. You know? oh, oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I actually <laughs> found a very nice place called Slim Chickens. Uh, very good uh, very good uh, chicken strips. So. Uh, also with us is Richard Fergoza, Fergoza Design. How are you, sir? Mellow Monday greetings from uh, the West Coast. All good. Doing yeah. good. Been, I've, been, I've been on the East Coast schedule, so I've been up for, what, five hours? So. Oh, wow. Holy cow, dude. That's, yeah, that's about how long I've been up. So, uh, also are, with yeah, this, got, people are in an undisclosed, uh, undisclosed locations nearby. So. Are you going to write about this one? I know about this one. So, are you going to be able to write about this eventually? Hopefully, we'll find out. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We are campaigning very hard. At it's this really point, cool. So. <laughs> so, it's really, really cool. So, all right. Uh, also with us, the first time at least on the state of control, but a not a stranger. To these parts, uh, actually, he's my webmaster. He's the guy that makes all the web stuff go around and around. His name is Matt Scott. From <laughs> he's a totally awesome AV tweep. If you're watching the video uh, from Omega Audio Video, my buddy, my pal, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Glad Good. to be here. Good. Uh, and we're talking lighting. That's why we have Matt on because he is the. Uh, well, seriously, in all seriousness, Matt has been after me for years to to try Lutron lighting and. I've done a little bit. I will admit some some interfacing, uh, and actually, every time I do that, I call that man right there and say I'm stuck, and he's like, "Just do this and this and this." And last but not least, uh, Chris. Chris is from Lutron themselves. Speaking of uh, speak of the devil, uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Do me a favor. Pronounce for everyone your last name because I almost butchered it there. It would have been more fun if you had given it a shot you first. Know, it's Soboleski. Soboleski. Okay. Soboleski. Funny, you don't look Russian, but okay. Enrico, Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I, you know, I, I mentioned this before. We're going to talk about lighting. Uh, actually, lighting, shades, some HVAC. Uh, maybe get into some backnet at the end of it if, if we have time and if we feel um, adventurous, I guess. Uh, but first, let's let's kick it off. And, and Matt, I want to actually want to kick it off with you because you are, um, like I mentioned before, you're my go-to guy when it comes to lighting and, and specifically inter- interfacing with Lutron. But you are probably the biggest evangelist I know for 
home and home automation lighting, lighting and, and doing all this stuff. You you posted a picture on on Facebook the other day of this wonderful, wonderful wall. The um, wonderful hotel wall? Yes. And, and it had like, what, nine or ten sliders. Oh, no, uh, it was more than that. Was it more than that? And uh, you're like, if, if anybody needs, you know, home automation lighting, this this poor sucker does. Uh, so first first of all, when you go into a, a meeting with a client, what are some of the, the, the requirements? What do you lay out for the client when you say, you know what, here's, here's a situation where you might want to consider – all kidding aside, you know, not having a dozen sliders, but maybe they don't have a dozen sliders. Maybe they have one or two. Um, what are some of the requirements when you start talking about automating your, your lighting? Well, it's one of those things where you need that conversation to come up, and it usually starts with the conversation uh, or the statement of, okay, especially when we're doing other automation, when it's not a standalone system, uh, you kind of just start with, all right, so we're controlling your HVAC, we're controlling your media, we're controlling your shading or, you know, whatever else is going on. Uh, how are you going to control your lights? And most times, if the client is not prepared for that, they give you that deer-in-the-headlights look of, uh, well, with like a light switch. And, you know, that as soon as they say that, that gives you the opportunity to get in the door and start to really tell the story of lighting control and, and explain why you want to control your lights why the oldest device, especially in the home, that hasn't changed is the light switch. It's on or it's off. You would not deal with that in your oven, in your, you know, water temperature. You you wouldn't want to jump into a shower and either have it boiling or freezing. You want to be able to adjust that same when you're cooking. You you know, you, you have to adjust all of these things. But with lighting, that seems to be one of those things that just hasn't happened. Um, so once you get into that, that gives you the opportunity to really start to talk about how the space can dramatically change with a little bit of lighting control. And, you know, we, again, each, each location, each job, each project is different and kind of you, you have to tailor that conversation to that specific project. Um, but like right now, for example, we're working on a kitchen, a uh, large kitchen automation system and all this other fun stuff. And lighting has played a foundational part in how we're discussing not only, you know, actual room design, but the lighting design and how we're going to design that room to operate in, you know, cooking mode, in prep mode, in cleanup mode, in entertaining mode. Because these clients do a lot of entertaining and they do a lot of cooking. So that room is becoming the focal point of where people will congregate. So we get into, uh, again, just how lighting can change that and how you don't want a, a wall full of Acme. You want a couple of keypads and a little bit of control so that you can come in and you push a couple of buttons and stuff happens and you can create that atmosphere and that drama that you know a switch won't give you. All right. Uh, Rich, you're, you're also... A, a very good, uh, accomplished uh, residential designer and, and programmer. If they're not ready, if they do give you that deer in the headlights look, like Matt said, how do you tell that story? How do you, maybe how do you prepare them for that story and for that conversation? Because, um, you know, not not to be blunt about it, but what we're talking about is is more than a fifty cent you know light switch from from Lowe's or Home Depot. This this is you know. It's a process, and, and it's it's a you know it can be you know a little bit costly if they're not prepared for that. So how do you how do you walk them down that trail? Well, the first part is is 
there's a whole lot of um, unreasonable fear when it comes to lighting control often that we encounter. And, and the reason being is, you know, Matt just mentioned is like, yeah, you know, this light switch has been around for a hundred years. Exactly. It's been around for a hundred years. It's, it's proven technology. The light switch is either on or off. And typically in residential, and again, it, it, it's changed now. I mean, look at just the past two years with every Kickstarter that's come out. Yeah. But let's just go back five years. And you look, and lighting control was something that was primarily more used in larger residences or in estate control or when you got a lot of light switches. You know, it's not, We're not talking like one, you know, one fixture in one room in a 2,500-square-foot house. You're talking you know, 400 loads in a 10,000-square-foot house. And people had horror stories. I mean, it, it, let's just also face it about our industry as we were maturing. Um, several of the manufacturers. I mean, there's there's kind of a big four that have been around in, in lighting controls for a long time. They've all had their hiccups, and there's in much like our automation systems, we've all had our hiccups. It's invariably never the system, the hardware itself that was the problem. It was the deployment more often than not that you would run into creating the horror story. And so what would happen is, like I said, this unreasonable fear, this, oh my gosh, you know, my, you know, my friend, you know, who built his house four years ago, he had one of those systems and it was a disaster, you know, it's like this happened and we couldn't turn it on and, you know, we were sitting here in the dark and the kids crying and it's like, oh, you know, we don't want to do that. Um, and that first part is, yes, you know, this, this is, you know, the, the way that we walk into it is that home automation or automation systems in general, whether it's lighting control, environmental control, entertainment control, needs to be as ubiquitous as a light switch. You need to be able to take it for granted, right? My job is to make sure that you walk up to this and you don't stop and think, is this going to work or not? You just treat it as an absolute. And that's the first part. And, and then it goes back to explaining and here's how we're going to get to that point. And this is where we will use um, technologies to help you. And then, you know, you, you step people through what I call their pain thresholds, you know, their automation pain thresholds, yeah. which is here's step A, which is this is technology that we've had around for at least a decade or more, right? You know, we, we've, we've broken it every way possible, you know. Step one, that's, that's um, you know, kind of the main edge, the straight edge of automation. Then the next step that we're going to move over towards is what we call the leading edge of technology. And this is technology that maybe we've had maybe less than five years. You know, we don't have as many of them out in the wild, but we've had a lot of successes. We've been able to document it. We've been able to see what goes wrong and how we fix it. And, you know, there's a lot of features in this that you don't get necessarily in the step below that are really, really cool that we think that you'd enjoy. Then you take it to the next step with them and we go, okay, Here's bleeding edge technology. Now at this point, there's a bit of a risk. You're, you're going to be growing with this system. But it means that you're getting absolutely the, the, the pinnacle of the technology that we have at this point. We're giving you everything we got. At the same time, we don't necessarily know what it's going to do at times. So, so you might want to have to live with it. And at that point, then we start determining, you know, where where are your thresholds at this point? You know, you might be able to get away with it with your TV turning on and off, but you're not going to get away with it with um, the kids' nursery lights maybe working or not, or, or X, Y, or Z. And so, again, it's 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 like everything else. It's a human approach. You know, technology is intended to assist and facilitate. 
it's not intended to complicate. And I think that what happens a lot of times in our industry, we lose sight of that. And we worry more about the gadgets and the coolness of the gadgetry rather than we're solving a problem. And the problem is, you know, X, Y, or Z. You know, you, you, you have tons of lights all over the place. And you know what? Let, let's talk about your power bill. let's talk about your consumption let's talk about you know what kind of ecological footprint do you want to generate you know I mean you know where where do you want to go with these things in terms of the entertainment side versus being responsible being ecologically aware being energy conscious all of these things you know as it deals with lighting in this case which is what we're talking about it's it's again how you know I I, kind of go over it and over it as I, I technology is just something I use technology isn't something necessarily that I like um and so with that, you know, we're, we're there to, to solve problems and, and working them through here is something that it can make your life easier and it make it beautiful again. And, you know, there's, there's something about being able to create a properly lighted room that's breathtaking at times. I mean, it's an experience. Um, and when you can connect to that and also solve problems and save money and dot, 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 then people start going, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. But if you just come in and go, hey, look, you know, I can turn my lights on and off with an iPhone. They don't care. No. They really don't. No. All right, uh, Chris. From from the manufacturer standpoint, uh, Rich and, and and Matt both you know mentioned the the pain points and, and and some some horror stories that some folks have. How do you how do you walk uh, or help your your manu- your your dealers walk clients through um, some of the pain points and some of the scariness of of automating lights and shades and stuff like that. Well, I think that uh, you know Matt and, and Rich did a pretty good job of of outlining some of the horror stories we've definitely seen in the past. You know, plenty of occasions where systems were put in and they caused problems, and it, it gave lighting control a bad name. And so now, you know, we have we've had an uphill battle over the past to try and get to a point where you know people kind of accept it. Um, you know, in most homes, people have never lived with lighting control; they don't really know how how much benefit there is. And so it's up to us to do a lot of work on the on the back end to make sure that really what they're having installed is appropriate for them um, and it's going to enhance their life. Uh, you know, Rich talked a little bit about it. This is this is very different than programming uh, a touchscreen, for instance, which is, you know, that's done a very specific way. Um, when you're creating a lighting control scene that's going to include lights and shades, you're creating an experience, a, a mood. It creates a, a drama in that house. And so it's a, a little bit of a, a different take for an AV guy to start thinking about things in that way and giving the customer that kind of experience. Um, so, you know, you go, you have to go into things thinking a little bit differently. There's also a little bit of a, a different type of planning that has to be done. Um, in the case of a lighting control system, you, you need to plan out ahead of time, you know, exactly where the lighting circuits are going to be pulled to, where are they going to bring all of the panel-based uh, products to, you know, how are the shade pockets going to be installed, how deep are they, what sizes are they, but also things that touch the end user, like the keypad placement. You know, you can really screw a system up by just having keypads put in the wrong places where they're not, you know, the, the most intuitive and easy to, to access. So there's a lot that goes into considering the flow of the house, whether it's new construction or retrofit. You know, how is the customer going to use that home, and where are they going to get the most bang for the buck out of you know the touchscreen, the the keypad, so that they're going to be able to activate you know their lights as they're moving through through the space. And then you know you're also going to consider things like guest areas. 
in a guest area, do I want to have a big scary keypad for grandma to use? It's probably going to scare her away. She's not going to want to push those buttons. So in those guest areas, does it make sense to put you know, a standard dimmer on the wall so that it's kind of easy for her? And then in the more common areas, um, you, know, you, you put your keypads. And then another piece that's a little bit different, I think, for a lot of uh, AV guys who are just getting into lighting control are working with things like colors and finishes. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with things that you're not exactly used to all the time. Uh, you know, having to, to work with a designer to put different colors on the wall or choosing different fabric types for a shade. I think those are a lot of the things that, that guys who are new to installing lighting and shades kind of stumble on and it takes a little bit of getting used to. All right, uh, Steve, uh, Chris mentioned uh, or made reference to this, you know, the, the programming part of this. How does this, I mean, compare this to whether it's a house or it's a, you know, an office building, compare, you know, controlling lighting and, and, and automating lighting to, you know, I, I don't know, a, a, a switcher or you know, a, a DVD player or something like that? Sure. Uh, you know, from a, from a, con a commercial standpoint, uh, the, the 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 amount of options are probably a lot less, but but what goes into programming lighting is not only the ability to raise and lower your lights and be able to recall preset scenes, but also from a from a programming standpoint, you want the ability to make those adjustments in the back end. So it's kind of a twofold programming exercise. You're, you 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 do need to be able to to have options for the you, you need to make your programming not only support the the actual initiation of the controls but also the 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 uh, configuration of the controls so that you can make adjustments and it, it may be a situation where different times of year you have the, the sun shines differently on through the windows so you, you need to be able to adjust those levels because the preset may not be as as effective so um, it, it it's a little bit more of a complex story, and a lot of times, uh, you know, from a programmer's perspective, when you're just looking at it from a, an AV system, your the recall of presets is very straightforward. Yeah. The recall of you know raising and lowering shades, but but put them put it into um, the the mindset of how, how does this all work to to create a scene, and and just like we're say, saying, it's it's a scene and it's an experience and and uh, you know, making bringing things to the appropriate level to enhance what you're actually doing in the room. You know, video is it can can ver very easily be be impacted in a commercial space by how much light is coming into the room. You know, and do you have a projector? Do you, do you have a flat screen? Where is that that light shining? And video conferencing is it can be night and day if you don't have the the right lighting. Absolutely, you can. Um... All right, so let's let's talk about something that we've talked about on this sh on this show and throughout our network is is standards and, and making sure that we all kind of do, you know honestly it, it comes down to making sure that that all of us as as AV professionals deliver a, a consistent experience for our customers. Uh, Chris, is there anything that, that you that Lutron has done or that you guys can do when it comes to making sure that there are best practices or, or you know or, or you know. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a white paper or what have you, where you guys can say, as, as Lutron says, you know what, as you're going into the client, this is what we would like to see you do, or these are the best practices when installing or when you're programming or when you're automating. Uh, is there something that you guys can do or have done? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned white papers. We have white papers and we have application notes that kind of, you know, step a, a new programmer or a new dealer through the process of, you know, developing a, a project in such a way that it really makes the most sense for the homeowner. Um, and it's really a, a very big part of our training programs as well. When new dealers come into our training programs, they're not only taught about the pieces and parts and, you know, how many watts can go on this dimmer, but also how to make the experience for the customer. Um, you know, so that's a part of every training, but we also have classes that are specialized in that. Um, you know, in our Radio Raw 2 product, we have a level three training course that really takes a, a dealer through everything from, you know, how do I design a, a keypad the proper way? How do I make it intuitive? How do I set it up such that, you know, the top button is consistent in every room throughout the house? Um, you know, all those sorts of things that are really going to make the end user, you know, thrilled with the system that they end up with. So I think it is incumbent on the manufacturers to make sure that we're doing a good job of, of allowing or, or offering these trainings to our dealers and getting that information out there. Because I think when we do that, we all win. The installer wins, the homeowner wins, and, and ultimately the manufacturer wins. Uh, Rich, from, from an, a programmer and, and a, a, you know, uh, you called yourself a, a digital concierge at one point. I still like that. What are some of the the best practices you've you've kind of uh, picked up over the over the last years? I think um, it was it was brought up, which was consistency, um, in that uh, you don't want to overcomplicate the process. Um, you know, the the first I think the the, the rookie move a lot of times when um, it, it, whether it's lighting control, whether it's you know AV control, touch panels, whatever it is, I think the the inexperienced move is to go well. I've got a 12-button keypad. I need to give them all 12 buttons. Uh, you know, they got to have it. They, um, what do you mean? I've got so much. You know, I have to give it to them. Um, Just and, give them a gun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, a, and a puppy and a, and a, and a triple espresso. Yeah, and, and let them go. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing that we've learned over time and that doesn't get discussed often enough is restraint. Um, and not, you know, the, the, the running tagline with, with technology is it's, it's not um, if you could do it, it's if you should do it. Mm -hmm. And you constantly have to be asking yourself that question. You know, what, it's not about what I could do. Let, let's talk about what we should do. You know, when you walk into this room, let's, you know, and again, keep in mind, we can always change this. There's, you know, engravings easy and buttons we can swap out, or if you don't like the color, let's, let's set all of that aside. Let's let's talk about again your life. You know, lighting control, much like automation control, is simply the act of distilling complicated functions to the lowest common denominator. Right? Yeah. You know, on, off, high, medium, low. Um, you know, booking. <laughs> you know, going away. I'm home, and then approaching each room as a. You know, I mean, I, I constantly tell this story with people. I was like, you know, we're creatures of habit, and I can bet you. That if we just talked about your morning routine, I can almost guarantee that nine times out of ten, you perform the same functions without fail, right? You're going to get up, you know, you, you shower, maybe you grab your coffee, you know, you sign all of these things, you get dressed, you know, your keys are over here, you get in the car, you turn on, you know, you do X, Y, and Z without fail. Mm. So let's talk about how we can facilitate that, how we can get you from point A to point B. Same when you come home. Probably chances are you probably come home within a plus or 30 my, 30 minute time range. 
you know. So let's consider, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about is like, look, when you turn on the lights at 9 a.m. and that's a completely different reaction you want to get than if you turn the lights on at 3 a.m. Now, granted, you get to about 40-something years old, sometimes i got to get up at 3 a.m. And, and, you know, pay a visit someplace. <laughs> and uh, so the last thing that I want is I don't want my lights at 90%, you know, blaring down right over my headboard. So little things like that, which is let's consider you know what what how you're living and you live differently at different times of the day you live differently during different seasons you live differently if you have children or you're an empty nester yeah. and again you work your way back and and you know again it's solve problems solve problems solve problems solve problems you know the the technology is your tool it's it's your palette it's all these other beautiful colors that you get to paint with but the first thing is solve the problem and 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 exercise restraint you know, it's like anything. If you look, if you look at anything that's well done, it's um, you know, it's it's what was it the quote about the artist is like you know he spent his old uh, the writer he spent his old day writing on his books. What do you do? He said, well, I took a comma out. You know, <laughs> I mean that that that's a matter of of focusing on the end result yeah. um, instead of worrying about all of the gadgets that we got sitting around. Yeah, there was another artist that said the the art is really not in in what you add; it's what's ta what's what you take away. Correct. Um, so, uh, Work with the white space, yeah. man. You know, operate in the white space. Oh, my. I love your West Coastness. Uh, <laughs> Steve, uh, when it comes to best practices uh, in the commercial world, what are we, what are we looking at here? Um, the, you know, so, so one of the things that, that, it, that, that we get into and stuff that I think excites us in, at the, from a programming standpoint or a control standpoint is how, how do we bring systems together? And, ha and, and that's what we do. We integrate. And, you know, so, so looking at lighting and looking at shades and looking at sensors and being able to, to, to tie them together and, and, and uh, make, as Rich said, make, make systems easier to use and, and automate them. But walking into a room and having the lights turn on for you or, or making sure that the lighting level is appropriate for the application that you're doing um, and also have, being able to have lighting support the different functions of a particular room. So, um, you know, I, I was thinking about a situation where you have uh, room combining in a commercial space. The the it, it's very uh, typical for the the room to change orientation, and the lighting scenes have to be able to support that. So, room combining um, as separate rooms may have certain types of scenes where the room is combined may have its, its own unique set of scenes. And, and I think that all these things need to be taken into consideration when, when we're looking at, at lighting as well as if is the room going to be used maybe for a social function rather than uh, presentation. And uh, how, how does the, the lighting need to, to be in that case? Um, but then also looking at the combination of lighting and, and shades is also appropriate because we you know start to get into energy management and, and things of that nature and and uh, I think that that that's been a goal uh, to be able to to optimize your environmental controls and and I think uh, you know tying things in together and be being able to to uh, to integrate and, and make systems. Um, simpler or would be the best practices that, that we run into. 
I, I want to interject, interject one thing that I, I was just thinking about that we haven't really spoken about is that part of what we need to do is also learn how to speak to lighting designers. Um, mm. and, and so one of the things that we haven't talked about, I mean, we're talking about either end user and our side, but generally, you know, especially in residential, um, the lighting controls person more often than not isn't the lighting designer. They're, they're two completely different disciplines that occur. You know, the lighting designer is responsible for, you know, again, kind of the West Coast thing, but p painting <laughs> with the light, right? You know, they're picking fixtures. They're figuring out whether they need art lighting or they need accent lighting or they need task lighting or all of these things. By the time you get to the control side, you've already gone beyond, you know, I mean, you're, you, you may already be in a hole at yeah. that point. And so one of the important things is being able to relate to the lighting designer and we're in, and, and a lot of them are really hip to it now. I mean, I you know, any qualified lighting designer that I've that I've dealt with, you know, absolutely knows, you know, what they want to accomplish with lighting control, but generally they're not the ones programming it. So like what Steve was saying, which was, you know, bringing all of these things together is constantly being that liaison to to the designer who is, you know, generally got the client's ear whether it's corporate or residential. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones who've got the client's ear and their tastes and their style needs. And so making sure that you are um, working actively with the creative side of lighting is, is I think, is extremely important. Just as we always try yeah. to get the control programmer a seat at the table, I think the lighting programmer needs to have a seat at the table, too, because mm -hmm. we all need to have that, that uh, the, the, the collaboration, I think, to, to provide the solution. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and if I if I can add on just a little bit more, I think one of the ways that we're seeing our de dealers build their businesses today is you know by working with lighting designers, architects, builders, and really reaching out and making those connections. It's getting them in on the projects much sooner, so they have a lot more of a, you know input into how things are designed. They're creating that linkage early on, and it, it helps them surround the job and stay on the project. It makes for a better project in the end. And I think what they're finding is, is not only is it building their job, you know, because they're reaching out to the builder and getting on a specific job with them that they already have contact with the homeowner. But, you know, once you get in there, that builder, that architect, that lighting designer is often going to bring you along if you prove that you're doing that you're doing a great job for them. So I think it's really an important part of, of growing your business as a dealer. All right. Uh, let's let's take a slight little turn here, Matt, and start with you because you you live not only in residential but also in commercial and, and a lot of house of worship. There has been bones over the last few years about you know making sure that AV is green and making sure that we're we're efficient uh, energy wise. How does that conversation start, or or is that where is 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 lighting where that conversation starts? When we start talking about automation and control, where we can say, you know what, uh, like like you know, Rich mentioned, you don't want the lights at ninety percent at three o'clock in the morning, so here's how we can help you. How does that conversation start? I think honestly, that is where the conversation starts, and unfortunately, too often that conversation is started without uh, a lighting control, you know, company involved. It, it usually starts with, uh, especially looking at you know the house of worship market them looking up and going, okay, well, we've got a bunch of 200-watt, you know, 8-inch pot lights. We're going to switch them all to CFLs or LEDs and still have no control whatsoever, just a ceiling full of lighting. Um, it's something where, you know, especially as LED has become such a, a big part of, uh, you know, most people's thought process is, hey, we're going to save some money, we're going to put all of our lighting to LED. Um, 
that's really where the expertise of you know companies like ours and companies like Lutron and you know the other manufacturers really come into play because as any of us who you know work in this know LED is a real fun area to play there there's currently and Chris is smiling because he knows um, there's currently really no main standards for what bulbs have to be or, or what they should be and how they're controlled etc 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 so you know as you start looking at going green that kind of seems to be the big thing is hey we're gonna we're gonna swap out all these fixtures for more energy efficient fixtures but we're not always going to look at how we control those fixtures as well. Um, hence that that picture I uh, tweeted the other day. Um, they had a lot of LEDs and they had no control. And the fun part was they had, you know, uh, a bunch of those on dimmers that weren't rated. Uh, the dimmers weren't rated properly as well as the bulbs weren't rated properly. So I went in and just because it's me, I'm start you know I'm playing around, looking around the corner, seeing what the the dimmers are doing and hearing the dimmers buzz and then watching the lights, you know, drop maybe 20 points before they just shut off or flicker or do their thing. Um, and that's where, you know, again, guys like us, we can come in and, you know, hopefully be a part of that, that energy savings conversation and help steer it into a, a way of, you know, this isn't something that you can just go to Home Depot or your big box store or even your big box lighting store and buy an LED bulb or a CFL or what have you and instantly save energy. Yes, you will, but there are a lot of other aspects that come into play as far as making sure your color temperatures stay consistent and your CRI are all the same and, and all that fun stuff. And, you know, as I said, this, this kitchen project we're currently working on, I've pretty much lived the last couple of weeks back and forth in Lutron's uh, LED report card center. And you laugh, but it's where I've lived because we're, you know, we're specking tape and we're specking all these other other fixtures, and I'm trying to con ensure that they're all going to function the way I, as the designer, who is an L3 certified guy, just so we're all clear. And, um, and what is that for clarification for those of us? Who uh, don't know the L3 is Lutron's Radio Raw 2 design credential. There we go. Uh, saying that we're pretty much, you know, top tier in that that Radio Raw world, but uh, notwithstanding. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of living there, going through and making sure that half of the designer bulbs uh, or half of the designer fixtures that were specced by the designer aren't going to operate the way I, as the lighting designer, want them to operate in the space. So we're going back and we're checking all of these fixtures against all of our dimmers and all of our systems to make sure that they're going to work the way we want them to work. And then from there, you can do whatever you want, and you can save a ton of energy and maintain that that lighting scene, that atmosphere that you're trying to create with your lighting products. Interesting. Okay, so let, let me ask this, and and Chris, we'll get to you here in a second because I want to get the manufacturer's view of of the whole saving energy. Uh, Steve and Rich, I want to bring you guys in though, because from the commercial end, and then and Steve, uh, Rich will bring you back around to, to talk about residential again. Is this something where you can have the conversation with with the client and say, or the lighting designer or whoever it is, and say, you know what, we can save you X amount of dollars. Uh, we can we can pay for ourselves. Is that is that what we're talking about here, or is it just one of these things where it makes the client feel good because they're 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 saving energy? 
Steve will go with you in this well, one. Well, from a from a commercial standpoint, I think it needs to be looked at as not just a single room. It needs to be more of a, a enterprise-wide initiative. And, and when you start to multiply rooms, then yes, you're, you're definitely you, there's some cost savings there. The key is that you have to be able to measure it in order to be able to show them that you're actually making a difference. So if you have those systems in place, the, and and it is an initiative of, of the organization, then I, I think that it, it it's a very easy thing to be able to um, to 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 convey and and to to be able to uh, fulfill. Uh, you know, it's the same as why why do you shut off your projector? Uh, you know, after a certain amount of time, well, because you don't want to burn the bulb out, and why? Because the bulb costs money, and it's also an inconvenience, and you have to pay for a service call and so forth. So it's just the same type of thing. When when somebody leaves the room, shut the lights off, but but also try to manage the lighting uh, within the space so so that you you can create some efficiencies. Not not to be simplistic, I'm I'm simply asking because I don't know. Can you measure it? Is this something where you can, whether it's with a control system or not, can you measure it and, and give the client a report saying we saved X amount of dollars or X amount of of, of power? <laughs> I'm asking. I don't know. The, the easy answer is yes, but but it has to be. But 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 of course you have to have the infrastructure to support. That's laughing it, yeah. at me. I, I am because especially in the residential world, that's the question <laughs> we get asked every single time we go into it. Oh well, what's my what's my ROI on this? When have when is this going to save sorry, me enough money to sorry, a homeowner asks what's your ROI? Are you kidding Every me? Every time. Yeah, because what they do is as soon as they start to read it, and you got to remember, that's what a lot of the you know more consumer-styled or, or designed light switch products, and that's what all of our smart meters are all pushing, is, you know, oh, you can pay this off in this amount of time using it for this. Yeah, so we do get the ROI all the time on it. Um, and again, you got to remember, we're not, as a rule, selling a ten to hundred thousand dollar lighting control system to your everyday homeowner. A lot of times, these are professionals, they're business owners, they're guys who understand ROI. And you know, lighting is one of those things that it's very hard, especially residentially, to specify an ROI. And I've been told many times in many training classes to never touch that topic, to leave it alone. <laughs> I don't blame them. <laughs> well, because it's one of those things. I can design a lighting system to save you across the board, say, 30 35% of your usage because we're going to dim those levels, etc. There's nothing to stop you as Johnny Homeowner to come in and hit the stinking high button on every keypad even though it's all time clocked and it's all you know set to your schedule and we're dimming everything down I still have clients to this day that nine times out of ten they won't hit any of their design scene buttons they hit their bright button and push everything to 70 points or, or 80 points because that's what they want or they pull out their app and turn every single light on and you know, so when you look at that, it's very hard to say, okay, well, this system is going to pay you back or save you this much money because it is so, so dependent on the user's use of that system. So yeah, we, I think we'll pull... Matt. Go ahead, Chris. Matt, you hit it right on. I mean, in a in a residential application, it is really difficult to to show ROI. It's it's so user dependent. In commercial applications, things are so much more automated. It's much easier to be able to, you know, 
to gauge energy efficiency on those projects. And so it's much easier to calculate a, a payback on a commercial project. Um, you know, you can you can get down in the two to three year range on a commercial project. And there are wow. tools created to be able to even, you know, uh, monitor that energy usage throughout the day. You know, you can pull up uh, different reports that'll show, you know, a, a facility manager, for instance, how much energy they've been using throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year. And, and really help them to understand where their energy is going. But, you know, it's, it's very much a, a commercial uh, usage at this point. Uh, Rich, I'm going to bring something back around what, what, what something that Matt just said about, you know, we don't install these lighting systems, you know, these $10,000, $100,000 lighting systems in your average everyday person's house. We do if it's cassetta. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got the money, I'll install it anywhere you want, you know. Uh, Plug. <laughs> Where do you, I mean, it's, okay, I, I'm having a difficult time asking this question. Is there a, 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 a Home Depot version of this? Is there, is there a Lowe's version of this? Or is this something where, you know what, lighting control automation simply is out of the reach of the middle class and below? And this is something where you talk to somebody, you don't talk to somebody unless they have a 10,000 square foot house. No, I, I don't think that's true at all. I think the opposite. I, I think that um, – let me give you a perfect example. All right. So, um, you know, I, I don't have a big house. It's, you know, it's a nice size house, but it's not huge. It's not – I don't live in my clients' styles houses, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> true story. So so seven years ago, I bought the house, completely gutted it, new electrical, uh, you know, just blah, 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 did all these things. I didn't have lighting control in my house for – six and a half years because um, it was just one of those things that I'm like, oh, I get to it. I get to it. I get to it. And so, you know, rewind to like Christmas of last year or something like that. I and mean, I've had these light switches sitting around. I finally got to the point where I'd keep walking into my dining room and I got like a three banger. I'm like, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Right. Keep in mind for six You do years, know what I you do for a living, right? <laughs> I know. And this is my point. I finally got to the point where, and again, you know, I, I live in California, and, and they pummel you for on your energy costs. And so I feel like a sitcom dad these days. My, you know, Trey, our, you know, our featured correspondent yes. every once in a while. <laughs> um, and my wife, God love them. Obviously, nobody in my family understands that light switches have an off button. <laughs> so I feel like the sitcom dad running around every place going, turn off the lights, turn off the lights, who left the lights on, who left the <laughs> I did it from a peace of mind standpoint where I was like, okay, I, I, I focused on six odd years after the fact the rooms that were important to me that I wanted to just have them turn off yeah. and just be able to, you know, again, it's all, all that functionality. Now, I happen to use one company's light switches who, you know, obviously are easier for me to program. But there's nothing to say that I couldn't have used, you know, anybody else's light switches and retrofit them after the fact. Um, the, the, sometimes the hurdle though with, with lighting control is that again, it, it's not supposed to be touched by anybody other than the licensed electrician. You know, you're dealing with something where, you know, you plug a speaker in wrong, you know, maybe it doesn't sound right. You start rolling around with pliers and wire strippers and you've got a hot load and you know, somebody's delivering a eulogy. So... Yeah. You know, but again, let's let's you know, let's take a look. Is that this is it, it's it's like anything else, anything that's kind of life safety related, you want to take a little bit more of a measured approach with it. Um, 
you know, and then I was talking, I think maybe we, when we were opening with um, talking about, you know, Kickstarter, you know, right now, kind of that's the new thing, you know, they're all environmentally control based, you know, whether it's lights or HPSGN or anything like that, you know, those are, those are options that are going to become available, but I think, again, it often takes the wrong approach. It's taking a gadget approach to, oh, yeah, well, when you put one in, yeah, that's kind of cool. You could turn it on and off. You get to 20, 30, 50 of these things. What are you going to do? H how? You know, again, you're you're now back to me just with a pretty screen going, nope, oh, nope, that's not it. Well, nope, that's not it. Oh, yeah. nope, that's not it. You know, I mean, do you open up an app with 75 switches on it? So, well, you know, we, we, we keep going back to... Can it be done in in the you know in the middle class house you know the the 4.2 kids and the dog and the car and the whole thing? Yes, it can. Um, it is just a different approach, which is to say, look, you don't have to bite it all off now. Let let's let's focus. Let's ease you into it and create value because at that point, then um, they see the purpose behind it. They start driving it as opposed to a lot of times. You know, you come in and, like Matt was saying, a ten or hundred thousand dollar or whatever the amount is, that's a lot to chew off initially. And it's yeah. it's not because they won't spend it; it's just because they don't understand why they would spend it. And so it goes back to those irrational fears. It's like this money pit. You know, well, I got lights that work. Why do I want an automated one? Well, if they're not relating to it, then then it's just it's it's just throwing good money after bad at that point. So a big part of it comes back to. You know, again, here here's where it actually makes a difference. You know, could you may have some savings, yeah, but a lot of it still stems around, especially in residential convenience. You know, I mean, it's it's like anything else. Is that it's just there will be some savings down the line. You know, but it's an initial investment and there's an upfront cost to it. But it's just like changing out all your light fixtures from incandescents to LEDs. Yeah, you're gonna get savings over time, but it's not gonna be a one year ROI. You know, because those fixtures aren't cheap right now. No. So. You know, you, 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 you have to gauge with people where their values come from. You know, saving money is one thing, but do they want to be responsible? Do they want to be over the life of, of you know, living in the house? You know, do they want to be able to, to accrue those savings? Like, you know, why do solar? Solar is expensive up front too, yeah. but a lot of people are doing it because there are lots of positive benefits to that technology. And that's kind of how I, I lump lighting it in that same feeling, which is, you know, you, you can be a good citizen and still have the creature comforts. Go ahead, Matt. Well, you, you touched on two things that I think are kind of the most important parts of, uh, especially guys that currently aren't doing lighting control or just, you know, getting their toes wet, just jumping in, is that this is different than, you know, again, you see a ton of AV guys getting into this. They see the dollar signs. They see the money amounts. Uh, of these systems and they get very excited as they should um, but this is not the same as programming a remote control or a small automation system lighting is a life safe a life safety device mm -hmm. it's not something to mess around with if you don't know what you're doing you shouldn't be touching it because there is something to be said for in an emergency you need your lights to work mm -hmm. you cannot you know, if, if your TV, you know, system doesn't work or your boardroom doesn't function properly, you can't get your airplay to work, that's not a big deal. In the event of an emergency, if you can't get your lights to turn on because somebody didn't program it right or did something incorrectly, that's a very, very big deal. Um, then the other aspect of it as well is that 
you know, so many, so often we see guys come in and start to do some lighting control, and they put a switch in this room, and they put a switch in that room, and they're trying to create usually some form of, you know, home off system where they can turn half the lights off in the house that are used most often. And, you know, again, this is something that you also see a lot in that entry-level market point. Uh, lighting control really should be focused on doing one room and doing that room right. And then once you do that room right, move on to the next room and do that room right. And, you know, there's a whole story behind, you know, how shading has become such a major part of lighting control and how you need to control all sources of light to actually achieve lighting control. You don't have lighting control if you do all your hi-hats and a pendant, but you don't do your table lamps and your floor lamps. That's not lighting control. That's controlling a couple of lights, and there's a difference to that. And that's what we see most often with, A, the, the beginners who are jumping into this um, and don't really know what they're doing, uh, and also with the you know the Home Depot-based systems, um, whether it's the Kickstarter stuff or the Wemo stuff or, or whoever, is they'll do a couple of lights and not the whole thing. So the clients, the whether it's a homeowner or whether it's someone who purchased it from an installer, they don't get the full effect. They don't get a functional system in all intents and purposes, and then they get disappointed with the concept of lighting control. And that's kind of one of the biggest things that we as, you know, good installers and good dealers need to work with and, and, and overcome is these these guys that don't understand the concepts and don't understand really how systems should work. And that's where, you know, trains from any of these manufacturers are so key yeah. uh, to get in and, and fully understand not only the technical data, because so many of us are such tech heads that that's all we care about. We care about the numbers. How many, you know, of these bulbs can I put on this dimmer? How many of these go into a proper room? And lighting control is a lot more artistic than that. It really is. It's it's more, you know, akin to touch panel design, GUI design. You have to design systems that are functional and make sense, not, not from a technical standpoint, but usually from a, uh, you know, a way you live your life, a way your client lives your life. All right, that that'll be a good way to end it. Um, uh, real, real quickly, I'm going to give each of you a, a, a opportunity. Give me a, a you know an elevator pitch, uh, whether it's for you know the commercial or residential or whatever. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Um, why should I do lighting control or automation? Uh, well, Tim, I think it's it's pretty easy. It's lighting control is about you know convenience. Um, you know, making your life more convenient, ambiance, making things look just just right in your house. It's about safety and security, lighting a pathway into the house, or you know, uh, having having your secure security system trigger your lighting controls in the event of a, a a trip or something like that. And then I think you know, coming to light, you know, most recently is energy savings. Lighting control, shading, and HVAC can all tie together, um, and you know, really save a lot of energy in a home. Um, it makes people feel good. You know, they may have a 10,000 square foot home with a Prius parked out front, but that's their way of feeling okay about what they're doing. And so I think lighting control shading HVAC is just another way to, to help that, help them save energy. And it's one of the few things out there that not only saves energy, but it enhances your lifestyle as well. It gives you, you know, this, this dimming capability, this scene making capability 
Um, most times when we hear about energy saving devices, we think, oh, it's not going to perform as well. That's not the case with lighting shades and HVAC. Okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Fercosa, give me an elevator pitch. Why should I do lighting control? Chris, you know, basically went over the same points that, that I would go, which is, um, you know, this is an opportunity to be um, uh, ecologically responsible um, and at the same time improve the, the quality of your life at home. Um, over time, not immediately, but over time, it actually will wind up being a cost savings just over the fact that it will take care of things that you forget to do. <laughs> um, and the, really the whole point about any of these systems is to take the common things that you do every day and, and streamline them to basic functions like I'm home, I'm going away, I'm waking up, I'm going to sleep. And this is a tool that allows us to give you um, that flexibility in your home um, and, and to be able to enjoy it. It's like anything else is that you, you, you've put all of this effort into the house itself, into um, you know, the architecture and the styling and everything else. This is just another supporting feature um, of the house. And, and again, much like Chris is saying is, is you know, I, I, I use kind of the same pitch, which is, look, just the same way that I see that you're putting solar panels up there and you're, you just bought a Tesla something or other because, you know, they are a little bit more green. This is another way to still be green. It's kind of like glamping, you know, you know, you're not, you're not going completely, um, you, you know, rough and tumble. You're not roughing it completely. Uh, but you can still go ahead and put something in that you don't feel like you know you're just throwing away money or being irresponsible. It allows us to give you the best of both worlds. Yeah. All right, uh, Mr. Scott, uh, what's your uh, your pitch on why why should I do uh, lighting control? Lighting control is really the only energy savings device that actually makes your life better. It allows you to paint your space with light highlight the things you want to draw focus to. It, it, it gives you the opportunity to transform your room no matter what you're doing into the best lighting, the best atmosphere for that event, whatever it is. Um, it's something that gives you the convenience and control that you can't find in anything else. It is the number one device that you're going to use in your house on a daily basis. Why not add some control to it? Okay. Uh, all right, Steve, you've got the last word on this. Uh, what is the, why should I do lighting control? Uh, these guys are tough to top. Uh, I know. <laughs> so what, what I would say is that you know you have to look at it uh, similar to to audio and video. You, you don't want either of those to be bad. You also don't want the the environment to be bad. And and I think that the sum of all the components make up a good system. And you know we're, when we're looking at um, audiovisual automation, uh, they, it, 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 all, all of those are vital to to providing the the user experience okay all right well that will do it for us um thank you gentlemen uh for joining us thank you for listening and, and watching uh chris soboleski from the great lutron thank you sir thank you thanks for having me uh where can people find out more about you or more about lutron well first of all i'm going to say well done on my last name for only having heard it once <laughs> well, you, yeah. you pronounced it just right <laughs> Uh, Luchon, obviously, www.luchon.com. They can come and find all the info, info they need about us right there. All right. Uh, also with us is Matt D. Scott, Omega Audio Video, uh, and a host of other things. He's a writer for SCN. He's my webmaster. He's my buddy and my pal. Thank you, sir. Oh, touch. Thanks. I love, to, love being here. Always, always happy to talk lighting control. Uh, where can people find you or Omega? You can find me at uh, mattdscott.com or Matt D. Scott on pretty much any social uh, network. 
as well as omegaaudiovideo.com. Uh, Rich Fragosa, FragosaDesign.com. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on the interwebs at FragosaDesign.com, or you can get onto Twitter and go right there at R Fragosa. For those of you listening. Yeah, for all two of you, for all two of our viewers. Uh, you can also find me at, uh, well, pretty much, you know, just type my name into Google. It seems that I'm appearing with regularity either on CE Pro or on uh, here with our friends at AV Nation. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, last but not least, Steve Greenblatt, Control Concepts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Always a good show, and uh, I'm glad we were able to do a topic that can appeal to another part of our audience. Mm -hmm. uh, you can reach me, my company, Control Concepts, at uh, controlconcepts.net, and I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and, and other social media at Steve Greenblatt. Very good. Uh, all right. Uh, don't follow me. Uh, go by the website because Matt D. Scott, the lighting guru, uh, also does a very fabulous job on our website. Avianation.tv. Avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, we have some new blogs posting this week and a very interesting announcement on Wednesday. So... Uh, Go by the website October 1st. Uh, by the way, if you're not aware, um, Infocom typically will do like a week uh, during the, the month of October to celebrate all things AV. They're doing an entire month <laughs> this year. So October is AV month. So uh, celebrate as you would. Um, actually, check out uh, Corey, Schaefer, uh, Corey Schaefer from uh, Listen usually does some interesting things and some other companies do it well. So yeah, avianation.tv, avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been A State of Control. Mm -hmm.